Hello and welcome back to Switchboard in 2020. To start off this term, we're talking to Charlotte, one of the presidents of the Mabel Presence Committee, about Mabels in general. You may have seen that tickets have gone on sale for several Mabels, their themes are being released and adverts going out already, but we'll be talking about some different issues to do with sustainability, workers' rights at balls, and also to do with other things such as having to move out of college or their possible exclusionary nature. If you find any of that interesting, do listen and watch out for the rest of term, we'll be releasing episodes weekly. question. For those who may be unaware of what a Cambridge Mayball is, would you be able to explain that? Um, yeah, so a Mayball is a kind of big all-night party that's held at the end of the academic year um, and it's held at any of the colleges of the University of Cambridge. Um, they're big formal affairs, they could be black tie or white tie um, and prices might range from around £100 to anything kind of in the excess of £500 for a pair of say like Trinity tickets. Um, They've got big budgets, um, loads of food, drink, entertainment, um, and typically last uh, all night finishing at around 5am, 6am and culminating in a survivor's photo. Um, So it's called Mabel, but it's held in June. Um, And there are also colleges that hold their balls um, in winter, March, um, whenever really. Um, what is your role as a president of the Mayfall Presidents Committee and what is that committee? Because I feel like a lot of people might not even know it exists or um, they don't understand what it does. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the title is definitely over-pretentious. Um, <laughs> really, my role um, is just sort of facilitating um, and overseeing um, kind of all, all the Mayfalls that operate in Cambridge and just sort of um, facilitating a space in which all the presidents can meet and talk about kind of concerns that they might have, um, ask for advice, share material resources. Um, we also uh, make sure that none of the themes clash. Um, we are kind of in charge of things like blacklisting of people that gate crash, um, and also passing on relevant information from, um, say, like the city council or um, uh, other kind of. Um, organisations that might want to kind of transfer a lot of information over to Maples. Um, so yeah, that's kind of it in a nutshell. And people may not be aware, but what makes you qualified to be president of the Pres- Mabel Presence Committee? Um, so I've been at Cambridge far too long now. Um, in my undergrad, I was a vice president of Girton Spring Ball. Um, that was two years ago. And then I was president of Darwin Mabel last year. Um, and now I've stepped into this role. Um, my, I'm helped by Robbie, who can't be here today. Um, Robbie um, was uh, president of Sydney, Sussex, Maple last year, I believe. So you've had quite a lot of experience in Maples. What would you say makes Maple different from there are other balls that go on throughout the year? They could be to do with, say, like you have sometimes a Hawks and Ospreys event, you have Pink Week balls. What makes them slightly more different? Um... I think there's a number of things. Um, first of all, the budgets are on a scale that is completely, um, it completely exceeds the other um, other balls. Um, partly because a lot of those other balls that you mentioned are charitable, um, and so a lot of those money will 
that money will have to go to charity. Um, whereas for the Naples, they'll obviously charge a lot more um, and be able to use all that revenue to throw a huge party. Also things to get into kind of the boring stuff um, around licensing. Colleges have licenses that allow these um, events to go on right until the morning. Um, whereas kind of there are kind of legalities around how long other events that go on throughout the year can run. Um, I think as well the fact, one of the main things for kind of the students that are attending is that it's a celebration of the end of the year, you've had your exams and it's just a big chance to kind of blow out with all your friends. And you mentioned a little bit earlier and I feel it's something people may not realise, but you said about blacklisting with students that gate crash balls. Is that something that if you gate crash one ball, you then are put on and every single ball knows and if you're trying to apply for a ticket, or is it a different system? Um, in theory, that's how it works. Okay. Uh, so if you're caught gate crashing um, one year, you will be barred from banning any balls the following year. Um, so we're in charge of kind of collating a, a list of anyone that's been caught gate crashing. Uh, obviously, there are issues with that because if you gate crash a ball and are asked to show your ID, you're not going to show your ID. Mm. Um, so there are issues around that, um, but we try and f do it the best we can and um, yeah, keep on top of it. Mm. So yeah, I know it was a problem at Queen's last year because Queen's, even though it seems hard to get into normally because every single door has got, um, or, no, or entrance to Queen's has cam card locking and then yeah. you have to go through Fortisod and the Fortisod's known for being very on it with getting people during the ball. Queen's even though it has not a moat but a river by it, it's the wall with kings that we share, mm. just makes it such a hot spot. So that was something we talked about on the committee so yeah. much last year. I think my president was always a bit worried. It was the thing, how do we stop this? We need security to be really, really tight. And it's something that security officers on a ball will be looking for for ages. Yeah, and there's always loopholes that you don't foresee you don't in the planning. You don't think of, or yeah. people just come up with the most inventive ideas. Yeah, absolutely. At Darwin last year, we had people uh, just climb through the window, you know, really? <laughs> from the road. And you just sort of think, well, who would have the audacity to do that in the first place? Mm. So you don't put security there, but actually it was, we had a few people get through that thing. Wow. Pushed straight back out, of course. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> managed to get into the premises at least yeah cool so we move on to some big topics that we think are relevant to Mabel so the first one is to do with sustainability and I think it's something that's quite hard to measure so I was just wondering do you think it's possible at least in some scale to conceptualize the environmental impact a ball has or is it just something that we've got to try and reduce the impact of it but we actually just don't really know mm. I think yeah um sustainability is one of the things that we do talk about um, as a committee um, and we have people from outside there's a, an organization run by students called um, sustainable um, for those that haven't come across that that's a kind of like student run environmental sort of consulting group for Mabel's um, who can talk to sustainable and talk about how they can reduce the environmental impact of their event um, but in terms of com like coming back to your question I think we'd be We'd be kidding ourselves if we didn't if we tried to pretend that these weren't over extravagant events that do have an environmental impact and i do think it's very very difficult to conceptualize the impact it must have um i knew that a few years ago claire tried to um kind of calculate their environmental impact by um carbon offsetting their ball um, and obviously there's a, there are a lot of issues around carbon offsetting but at least that was a sort of there was a step in doing that, that meant that they were trying to kind of envisage their environmental impact. Um, but no, I think sustainable certainly help in the sense that they um, they make balls stop and think about kind of the waste that they're producing, the materials that they're using, um, the food that they're sourcing, um, and these sorts of 
entertainment and attractions that you put on. Um, and it was, and I think just by doing that, things are changing. Um, I know that in um, Darwin last year, we sourced over over 50% of our food was vegetarian or vegan. Um, and there are certainly a lot of sort of, again, I think we'll touch on this later, but sort of fashion organizations that are starting to t kind of tackle um, the kind of one-off purchases that people are making around Maple. So I think there's steps are being taken, but I think mm. in terms of actually conceptualizing it, it's very, very difficult. Yeah. So that kind of leads into the next question yeah. I was going to ask about what can and are balls doing to reduce their environment, environmental impact? Yeah. So you talked about Darwin last year, I know Queen's for our decorations, we actually went to, so we had, well, ephemera was the kind of fancy title it was given, but the real theme it was was the seasons. And we went round at Christmas and autumn to all the shops in Cambridge, so the Grand Arcade, and actually John Lewis gave us all of their seasonal um, decorations that they were going to throw out and actually gave them to us instead, and then they've gone into our storage. So it's just something that you can actually, all can have the incentive to go out and find places where things are going to get thrown away and actually use them or kind of upcycle them to then go into the ball and actually then storing those decorations for further use. We went back through and saw decorations that were being used five, ten years ago and yeah. we're like, wow, we can't use this but we're going to put it back in storage because someone might want to yeah. or someone might find a use for it and actually just not throwing things away. Yeah. But what are other things that balls can do or bigger steps that they're taking this year yeah. to actually reduce the impact. Yeah, I mean, materials, like, it's really nice that you touched upon that, and that's just sort of one element of it. Um, it's nice that as a committee, when we when we come together, it's a sort of space that we can say, um, we've got all these leftover decorations that we don't want, does anyone else want them? So there is that kind of resource-sharing aspect to it. Um, there's a lot of balls are doing stuff around recycling this year um, and have tried to in the past as well. Um, so kind of having designated recycling workers um, to separate out the, the waste that is produced. Um, all balls committees are now advised to have a designated sustainability officer and I know that sounds a minimal thing but if balls are actually have an impact it's important that it's not someone that's just kind of sideline the issue um, because they've got more important things to be dealing with but someone that's actually taking centre stage and saying we need to tackle this. Um, I talked a bit about catering um, and where you source your food from. Um, also encouraging balls to kind of maybe source a bit more seasonally um, and using local providers that aren't having to travel. Um, in terms of travel also, again, uh, sourcing acts from kind of more locally so they're not having to sort of fly or um, drive long distances. Um, I guess attractions, there are and lots of balls, um, especially the bigger ones, use big fairground rides that use diesel generators, um, which is obviously problematic. Um, and I guess one of the things that they could do is just not use them um, and try and find some sort of environment, um, more environmentally friendly alternative. Um, there are other organisations that are kind of trying to link up with um, Maples as well. Um, there are sort of uh, fashion rental platforms and sharing clothes sharing platforms that are sort of um, gaining more of a presence around Cambridge. Um, I work for one of them, just a shameless yeah. plug. Um, <laughs> and um, so kind of by engaging with these other organisations, Maples may also be able to kind of raise awareness amongst their guests around the impact that they are having. Um, nice. And that moves us straight on to talking about not just the ball committees themselves, but when we as individuals go to balls, 
what can we do to be more aware and to be more active in helping to reduce the environmental impact of yeah. the balls that they attend? Because I feel like the committees can do their part, but I feel that also ball goers do have their part. Because if you have recycling bins and you have to chuck stuff in the non-recycling, it's all the efforts gone to waste. Isn't it? Yeah, no, it's a really good point because I think we we do talk at length about how we can make the balls more um environmentally friendly but yeah like you say at the end of the day if you have a big grand plan for recycling and no one follows it then it does mess things up um so i think it's as as a kind of attendee of these events if there are separate bins um do use them if you're being asked to keep hold of your cups and um reuse them um do do that um don't just chuck it to one side because again that's something that someone's got to pick up as well um in terms of eating food like I know it's very tempting I think to go around and grab all the food and drink you can possibly get and then leave it um just because you want to sample as much as possible but actually have a think like that food waste is going to go somewhere as well that um and it probably will just end up in the bin um so kind of be a bit more measured (laughs) and controlled um in terms of clothing have a think about whether you really really need to go onto ASOS and buy 10 outfits that you're going to send nine back of um and do you just need an outfit that you're going to wear once? Um, because it's quite likely that your friend also needs an outfit. And maybe if you're similar sizes, there's the option that you can just switch dresses for the year. So it's you're wearing something that's new to you. They're wearing something that's new to them. But no one's having to buy anything. And no one's having to kind of waste resources in that sense. Um, those are just kind of like headline ones. But... Um, I guess also if you're travelling from afar, you might think about how you might travel to the ball in a more sustainable way, things like that. Yeah, yeah I think, I can't remember quite the name of it, but there is some, I know there's normally a Facebook group, which is run by Kusu officers mm. about, um, and it's clothes, it's uh, run by the Kusu um, women's The Kusu um, and it's by himself Yeah, clothes swap, like so I, I yeah. sometimes get secondhand stuff from there. But actually, I think there's a designated Mabel dress swap one as well. Mm-hmm. And the idea is you can post photos of what you have and you can either sell them to someone else and just buy secondhand yeah. and sell off to someone who wants to use it. Or you can actually just do a direct swap with someone or just lend them out and rent, kind of rent your own dresses, yeah. which is quite helpful because you'll often get a lot of people doing it. I mean, now the page won't be relevant at the time, but yeah. often around May, June time every year, it comes back up again. Yeah. And that's been really useful. So it's something making people aware of those kind of platforms are really good as well mm. and then as you're saying the rental dress because it is so tempting I think especially when I was younger to be like I need to get a new dress and actually think do I need to that's yeah. probably not true yeah. or what, what are other sources as well in charity shops as well can be sometimes my friend had a really nice dress and I was really jealous because it's always the I can't seem to find anything but everyone else seems to be able to find something yeah. in charity shops it's always just having a look in yeah also check out the marketplace um, I think mm. market squares always got a few kind of closed stores that are up and you can find some really nice things there um so yeah it's just being a bit more kind of um aware and conscious of the sort of decisions you're making so moving on um to a different topic that a lot of people kind of talk about um is to do with um the fact that i mean it's kind of a question surrounding mabels but are they inherently exclusionary in themselves um and then this leads on to the topic of what can balls do to make them more successful mainly around price this Mm. is that conversation yeah um this has been this is really, really something that ball committees do want to address. Um, it might seem like from the outside that nothing's being done, but it's something that is really, really difficult. Um, because, I mean, you've obviously you've got issues of confidentiality. Um, a lot of balls are trying to do bursary tickets. Um, and I think Jesus have gone as far as saying that if you're on a bursary 
um, you can you have a half price ticket um, and again but it's it's just issues of kind of confidentiality who on the committee gets to know who needs a bursary mm. ticket and how is that facilitated it also raises like further issues around um, the people that are kind of just miss the bursary threshold mm. because um, they're not getting financial support um, and they're not eligible for financial support but they might be in just as a tricky position in terms of feeling like they can't afford a ticket can't get help from home so it, it's it's kind of if it's not one problem it's the other but bulls are trying to address it um, and whether it's something that is um, that colleges can kind of um, take the brunt of in terms of financial cost is another issue because obviously some colleges are in a better position to um, uh, kind of put money into that um, than others um, so yeah are there any strategies that maybe aren't being used this year but you think in the future could work? Or do you have any ideas of how you could actually combat that? In terms, I mean, there are a lot of new ideas coming through this year. Um, like you say, cats splitting the cost, I think, is a really, really good initiative. And I hope that we see more pools doing that. Um, I know that Girton aren't in a position um, to be able to kind of um, quite facilitate bursary tickets yet, but they have a scheme um, in which um, kind of a percentage of the ball revenue at the end is allocated into a bursary fund, which then goes to uh, fund future bursaries for students at, um, mm. at Girton. Um, so there are a lot of ideas coming through. Um, and then there's also the question going back to this kind of like middle income uh, bracket of people that are just above the bursary threshold in the sense that they might be able to... Um, if they feel in a position that they're being excluded because of financial grounds, they just email their welfare tu their tutor at college um, and explain the situation, and that might be a way around it. Um, but I think it's still a really, really kind of pertinent topic of discussion for us all, and we're still trying to work out what the best way is to go forward with it. And another way that bulls can exclude members of certain communities is through the food that they offer. So we talked about, I think veg vegetarian and vegan food is becoming far more commonplace at pools maybe 20 years ago it was different but it's something that's actually really easy you can go around so I'm vegetarian myself you can go around and actually you can find anything you absolutely find more as well with gluten I know that was something we talked about last year but there was a recently a vasty article about kosher food mm. at pools and that they just couldn't find anything were told by the board committee themselves that they should just bring their own food which then means that for them they're paying such a high price and they feel like they're being left out of a certain part of the ball and actually it then gets in your head of am I paying for what I'm getting and actually, do balls need to do more to actually be able to give more accessible food so more people feel welcome to actually come and go to the pool? Um, yeah, I think that's definitely, they, they do need to do more. Um, and I think it's really, really important that these issues keep coming forward because it makes all of the committees kind of stop and think, what, we don't want this, we don't want any guests to feel that they're being excluded because of kind of these sorts of um, reasons. Um, and so, it, yeah, it's really, we do need to do more to address it. Um, I think one way, if you feel like this, if you're worried um, as an attendee that you might not have the food that you want, flag it up early on. Um, do email your board committee and say, I just want to check that this is what I require. Um, can I just check that there will be food available for me? Um, and, and just push. Um, I think another really big issue um, at the moment is um, the people that don't drink and they mm. feel like they are almost sort of subsidizing the people that are drinking because there is a bu big alcohol budget 
for balls. Um, and again, that's something that's being discussed as to whether we um, introduce non-drinking tickets. Um, but then again, how you would enforce that um, in a way that um, was, was doable. Um, I think... Um, going to ask a question about this <laughs> um, but also exclusionary uh balls could be seen as exclusionary in the sense of people that um have accessibility issues um or any sort of disability um and perhaps balls aren't clear enough that um you are welcome if you are disabled and there will be um facilities in place for you to get around um most balls uh i think by law um you have to have ramp access um wherever there is a staircase um and you will if you flag it up earlier um flag it up to your ball committee be able to get um what's called a peep which is a personal evacuation and escape plan um made to you made for you which means that in the case of an emergency in a ball if everyone has to evacuate there will be someone that turns up and helps you out the premises um so i think it's not always obvious but as a, a as a guest you can um make sure you can you can get around feeling excluded mm. if that makes sense just flag it up um and i'm confident that committees will try and go out of their way to help you yeah is there someone that if they do feel that the committee isn't helping them mm. they can go to past yeah. that yeah i think um a l from my experience a lot of ball committees work with their uh jcrs and mcrs um so maybe going reaching out to the welfare officer um, on those committees. You could also talk to your tutor um, in college um, because, again, the board committees have to work very closely with um, senior officials in college as well. Um, so I think, I think yeah, just use those, those sorts of avenues um, and try and get your voice heard. So we talked earlier about some, um, typically not Mabel's, but other balls have far more of a charitable focus, whether it's, say, Pink Week Mabel or some other ones that happen in the year. Um, and it can leave a question of what are the Mabels doing to make a positive charitable impact? Yeah, um, so um, RAG um, are quite heavily involved with um, the committee. Um, and they, um, we work, I think all, uh, most balls will choose to work with a RAG charity. Um, and RAG kind of lays out the options in terms of um, different ways that balls can support with their chosen charity. Um, so this year, um, sadly, it's, oh, it's not, no longer possible to do opt-out methods. So previously, I think balls would make a charitable donation per every ticket, and you would have to opt out if you didn't want to. Um, so that's not lo no longer possible, um, and so they recommend instead that you do opt-in. So if you've got kind of like a, uh, a ticket price that isn't a round number, just rounding it up, and then that um, rounding up becomes that charitable donation so that every, every ticket results in a charitable donation. Um, there are other options as well. Um, balls can just give a lump sum to charity um, or kind of allocate percentage of their, their ticket revenue to charity. Um, and I think m uh, most, if not all, balls are um, giving money to charity. Um, so that's good. <laughs> and something that I think freshers may not be aware of but sometimes people find there's issues with balls around student accommodation. Mm. And obviously freshers won't be aware because this is their first year. They've never been here at exam term. They've never been here during May week. Um, and it, it's something that I don't think even personally myself I've experienced because in my first year, Queen's didn't have a Mabel for several two years. And then in my second year being on the committee meant I was just running around college. I was not thinking of anything. Yeah. 
Um, but I knew that I could go back to my room in the morning once I didn't clear up. But I'm kind of, it didn't cross my mind as much because I was on the committee. But I know that some students had, I guess the only issue was that we forced everyone out of college while the council did their checks. Um, and that was about a six hour period mm. where people weren't really meant to be in college. Luckily for us, our perimeter didn't cover the entire college, which meant that people, typically freshers, could and actually second years, could stay in their rooms, but everyone else would have to leave, which creates quite a large inconvenience for people, getting ready for a ball, but also especially if people have just decided they don't want to go to a ball, but they're still kicked out of their college. Yeah. Um, and I think some colleges have it worse, um, where they may not be able to stay, um, or it's just longer periods of time they're not allowed in the college. What problems does this cause and actually what are committees trying to do to tackle it and is there any way around it as well do you think? yeah yeah I mean from a committee perspective um like you say it's kind of um the council city council have to do their kind of safety checks before a ball is allowed to take place um there are also concerns from committees about gate crushing people hiding in rooms and then coming out but haven't paid for a ticket um and knowing that or not knowing how many people are on premises um in the case of an emergency mm. Um, and I do believe that it's in a lot of room licences that everyone skims over that they, w for the purpose of a May ball, students may be asked to vacate their rooms. Um, like you said, not all balls do it, or not all balls ask everyone to leave because it may not cover all kind of student rooms. Um, but it is a problem. I remember when we were organising um, the ball at Girton, um, you can't just ask Etonians to go and kind of get ready at their friend's house because mm. we're so far out um so it, it is a, a massive massive issue and um I think something it is something that's being talked about um and so it is really important that we keep pressing committees um because there are students that need a place to stay um who like you say they might not be attending a ball they might not want to go to a ball um, they might also just need to crash early for the night, you know, if they kind mm. of <laughs> start to feel ill partway through the ball and need to go back to their oh, room. Okay. Um, so it is important that we keep pressing. Um, at Darwin last year, we were able to, um, we kind of flagged up very early on in the process um, that students would be asked to leave their room. And if anyone foresaw that that would be an issue for them to get in touch with us, um, and with the domestic versa, and we were able to find for those students, um, there were surprisingly few, uh, but for those students that needed a place to stay that night, um, we were able to um, find alternative sources of, of accommodation for them. So again, it's just sort of, um, balls need to be transparent, I think, from a very, very early stage, especially to those freshers that are unaware that they may be asked to leave their accommodation. Um, being clear on which members of college will have to leave their accommodation, um, and sort of outlining the alternatives, the arrangements available to them, um, so that people aren't caught off guard last minute. Nice, and I think for people who maybe are listening and they haven't been contacted, say, by their committee about yeah. these kind of issues, you can actually just go and reach out to them, mm. and they should then actually, even if they haven't thought about it yet, which they probably will have done, but they haven't reached out, at least start to consider, maybe we'll just ask naturally, because if people do have pressing reasons, they actually probably will get in contact if they don't, they probably won't, as you said. Darwin yeah. had relatively few, yeah. but most people won't say leave my room the whole time if they know they don't. They want to stay out the whole time. And then moving on to one of the last topics, which is again something that people may have experienced, but actually even third years may never have done this, um, which is actually working at a ball. 
and balls aren't just run by committees they also will have so many so many staff working the ball and these will typically actually be a lot of them will be students as well as college staff as well and I guess first question just a bit kind of off the cards is are workers paid enough at balls that's such a tricky question (laughs) um I think if we start with the sort of senior workers the senior workers that come um and work for balls are um, kind of crucial to the balls operation and a lot of responsibility is put on their shoulders. Um, so I think it's right that they are actually paid a proper wage um, and not just sort of given the, the kind of half on half off treatment mm. or um, even the really draconian one, which is that you can work and then you get the right to buy a ticket the following yeah. year, uh, which I think finally has been. Um, I think that's been got rid yeah of, that was like, clear yeah. up for gems i think years yeah, ago, yeah yeah um uh i think uh, it obviously varies ball on ball as to what they pay their workers um and it's up to them to kind of decide what is fair and not fair mm. ultimately they're decided um wages will be set by uh, budgetary constraints um but yeah it, it's something that's again being talked about i think all balls it, are now paying at least the uh, they're definitely paying minimum wage obviously um, but in terms of taking the next step paying living wage or, or even more of them are in I'm not sure who's doing that at the moment <coughs> um, and then if we I guess if we touch on the fact that you can uh, work half on half off um, it, from, from a committee perspective it's got its pros and its cons mm. um, because I think a lot of students are quite attracted by the idea of half on half off especially if it means that they can get a free ticket um but for a committee that can be great because you've got loads of workers that are really keen uh but from the same at the same time it can be a logistical nightmare because you've got to kind of keep track of who's where when they're going off shift and who's replacing them and then i guess for the people that are coming on for the second half what sort of state they're in and are they fit to work um so it's a again something that is um constantly talked about um i know at girton we did uh full uh workers would work the whole night and just be paid for it yeah um, that's what we did as and well. again it, it, that, because girton was in march i think that worked quite nicely for people that literally just wanted a bit of an income mm. they didn't, weren't that bothered about attending the ball but just wanted to kind of earn some money which we don't get a lot of opportunities to do whilst we're studying um but um um, yeah, there are issues around that in the sense that you can't always get enough workers. I mean, we were fortunate that we did. Uh, but I know a lot of balls did have issues in recruiting workers last year. Because like you said, on the Tuesday when you did Queen's, there were five balls. Um, and I think some of them just struggled to attract enough people. Um, we, were, we were quite lucky. We had, so I think it's something people may not notice. But actually having been on a committee, I find I noticed it far more than I ever would have done. Is actually the structure of committees when you look mm. on the website of who's doing what and how many people are doing each role and so there were two of us doing workers and that probably saved my second year because if I was doing it I could not imagine doing it on my own the amount of work that I was doing yeah um and we split a lot of it um and because I think there were two of us we were really on it and we were lucky that we actually had enough workers by the end but we also um really active and we wanted to pay our senior workers quite a lot because we knew that actually that responsibility is far greater and we actually had some yeah, people applying and it can for make us. a break a ball as and well, it can make it? a break a ball yeah. because they're actually the president needs someone on the night they can rely on and mm. we had people that 
came, so the people that were applying for those positions had either just worked every noble and worked up and up and up. And we actually had someone who came back and they were like 26 or a Cambridge alumni and came back every year and just worked. One ball had a night off, one ball had a night off. And he did that system every single year. And we were just lucky that I think we did our applications really early and we were really on it and we managed to get enough and we didn't have any too many issues with it. Mm. I think another thing we did, which actually I think is quite good to look out for as a kind of individual applying to work at balls is we did um, working with friends. So we had where you could, it was a, I mean, it was a nightmare for myself, but myself, mm. like I gave myself so much extra work, but if you applied and you put your friend, you could put your friend's name and CSIDs down and we'd match them up. If you then both got offers to work at the ball and you both accepted, when we were doing timetabling, we would make sure that your breaks matched up with theirs or that you were in the similar courts to them and that actually you were then able to, or as much as possible, actually be with your friends. And that actually really helped us because you could see quite a lot of people who applied in groups. And I think those quite are good things to look out for when you're applying yeah. for balls, but also are helpful for balls themselves. Actually, I think the main things that balls, the best thing for balls to do is really be upfront about how much you're paying workers. Yeah. And that information is available on websites and throughout the whole application process. You don't get to the point where they give you an offer and you don't how much don't know how much people are being paid because yeah. I think that's the worst. But also, um, the other one as well is that I would definitely recommend is knowing how many hours you're working. Yeah. Um, when you have to arrive and when and you have to arrive and when your breaks are. Yeah. Because I think it really varies during balls. So a lot of people surprised we were had twelve hours, which seemed really long, but we gave two hours of breaks. Mm. People were like, whoa, that's quite a lot of time. Um, where some balls, I think, or I, remember, <laughs> I can't remember which one it was, but it was like you have a half an hour break and it was quite a long shift. And I was like, I don't think I could do that. And actually it's paying attention to those kind of things. And actually the balls that maybe struggle, they might then change actually and say, we'll give you more breaks because they know if they're not bringing the workers in, there's probably a reason why and yeah. those kind of things behind it. Yeah. Um, but definitely things to look out for. What other things do you think that are ways to improve the worker experience at balls that balls can do? I think like you were talking about with transparency, that's so, so important that balls are just upfront with their workers um, about the time, the timings, the breaks, the payments, um, and also just general expectations about behavior. Um, mm. I think there are sometimes issues with, uh, especially around like whether you'll be fed on your shift, especially if you're working a 12 hour shift, are you allowed to go and um, eat food from the truck or um, get, get like coffees? Um, or will, you be, will that be provided for you? Or do you need to bring your own things? Because um, I think that's some... I've, I've worked quite a lot of balls and um, we weren't allowed to um, eat on shift and we weren't allowed um, to... Well, as in eat our own food on shift and we weren't allowed to um, go and use mm. the eating facilities. And obviously if you're working a 12-hour shift all through the night, you need yeah. some sustenance. So I think it's just kind of um, not being afraid to sort of say... Um, I think I think this needs to change. I think one of the big things that's also coming through at the moment is um, check deposits. Mm. Um, and I know that I think there was quite a bit of press coverage about that last year in the sense that a lot of balls will still ask for um, pro- normally two checks um, worth more than the price of a ball ticket. Um, and if you um, break the terms and conditions of your contract, then uh, your check or both checks may be cashed. Um, and your money taken off you and you won't be paid, um, which is obviously a very extreme reaction. Mm. Um, it's done to obviously make sure that workers kind of abide by 
um, kind of good behavior and stuff. But it's just it for, for anyone that's kind of entering into an agreement, just making sure that um, you know in what scenario you, your check would be cashed or mm. you wouldn't be paid. It's the same with um, kind of delayed payments if you're due payment, mm. um, not just cash back. But I know that there was a lot of, um, uh, there were a lot of disgruntled students last year um, who had worked for a ball and just hadn't been paid for months on end. And often there is an issue behind it. It's it's a, an issue with processing payments from kind of like the ball committee's mm. side of things. Um, it's not that they don't want to pay you. It's just that there are kind of like spanners in the works around that. Um, but no, it's a concern. It is a mm. really, really valid concern that students have. And I know that I was working for said ball um, and I wasn't paid for a few months. And it does it, it does affect you. So I think it's just um, no ball wants to do anything wrong. And like you say mm. at the end of the day, like as a personnel officer you, you're a human and you don't yeah. want to cash people's checks but it is a really really tricky situation and often balls will be seen to take quite a hard line because that's how they how they need to kind of set the standard if you like yeah. that this is what a worker should this is how you should behave as a worker and this is what we expect of you um, but at the end of the day we, we're all students yeah. <laughs> and we just want to throw a good event that, that operates smoothly and, yeah. and I think as well for students to know that the contract is for them to sign but it's also for the ball committee to uphold as well yeah and if it in your contract it states they will pay you by a certain amount of time yeah you do have that that right that right yeah and you can bring it up and you can force them to and i know students were complaining and it will still be a pain if they as you were saying it was probably a processing error and it will be a pain if you don't get it but you do have that right to complain straight away if you're mm -hmm. not getting it and if it's coming right to the end of that time period as well you can email being like are we going to get it in time and prepare yourself if they know if they say we're not going to give it to you because i think yeah. the reasons i worry about it is that you then feel like you're just chasing for ages and ages and ages and it's just a brunt of your time yeah. um, whether it's deposits or whether it's actually being paid and actually it's something that you can again preempt just if it's coming to the end of the time where you need they've told you to get it back and actually, again, deposits, because I feel with the checks, it was always we ripped them all up. But yeah. we said we'd do it after the ball. But it's not, I mean, actually offered if people wanted to come and pick them back up, they could do, because then they would actually be able to see it and not yeah. themselves. Um, um, but I think, again, what is like, I mean, can't say it will happen, but what is likely to happen is probably in the contracts, they'll state when they're going to give that deposit back. And I think if that's something that isn't in your contract, ask the committee yeah. and get that in an email, because then it's somewhere written down. Yeah, it's traceable. It's traceable. Yeah. Um, but yeah, again, final question, which you may not be able to answer. I guess you've worked balls before. Um, I was a personnel officer last year, but especially I think for freshers, it's really hard applying for balls with what kind of things to put down, yeah. especially because often the question will be, have you worked no ball before? And no balls might base that as their main question Yeah. Um, going into interviews, etc. But do you have any tips for applying for no balls, what you should put down in your application or tips for like what balls or not maybe what balls you've done but what kind of good ways to balance out working in noble week yeah. versus so not burning out by just working one then yeah. doing one working one doing one or yeah. something like that burning out is definitely an issue obviously it's it's a fun experience it, it can be a fun experience to work a ball but at the same time you don't want to work a ball um when you've got your own one the next day or whatever mm. because you're not going to enjoy um either of it really um so i mean in terms of applying um, if you've got no experience whatsoever, just put down what you think you'll enjoy and apply with your friends because most balls will accommodate you being able to work with your friends and try and make it an enjoyable experience. If you haven't got experience, say, like, you really want to work on the bar but you haven't got that bar experience, just 
think of anything that you can kind of latch onto that will kind of give you something to talk about. Mm. Um, as well, I think for most sort of um, non-senior roles, um, experience isn't necessary um, and you won't necessarily be interviewed by um, the committee either because they just, they're looking for people that are interested in working for them um, and they will give you that opportunity if you want. Um, you will have to go to training days anyway. Um, so even if you're feeling a bit out of your comfort zone, you've not got experience, you will get the opportunity to go along to a training day run by the personnel officer um, and you'll be told what you're doing on the night and how to do it. And, um, and you can ask as many questions as you want, no questions or silly questions. So um, I think, yeah, go for it. Just um, see what's available. Apply to as many as you can if you're interested and then once you've got them uh you can then kind of it's a nightmare for the personal officer but you can yeah. decline to work <laughs> for them <laughs> um so yeah just yeah go for it i guess no definitely and i think as well being aware that it's not just working the ball itself but balls will have what's called setup and clear up yeah shift as well yeah um i've done clear up i feel like setup's probably a bit nicer i've done a while <laughs> for clear up <laughs> um but clear up, you'll typically go at the end of the ball. So that could vary by ball. So some balls will end at 3 a.m. and you turn up at 3 a.m. Some, we ended at 7. So people turn up about 6.30, which wasn't too bad. Yeah. Um, and you work, again, it varies. So this is some things to look out for. If you want to just do a few hours, get a little bit of money, but you yeah. haven't stretched yourself. Um, or if you want to do a massive shift, get quite a lot. But actually, you probably will tire yourself out. And you can. And then setup shifts are a bit different. They're typically during the day, and I think they're quite nice because mm -hmm. you can actually... Either it's, so we actually offered Queen's, it was, you could be going to the ball and you could do sh set up as well if you wanted, just because Queen's students couldn't want, they probably, if they were going, they wouldn't want to work the ball, but they could still have a part of actually building the ball, getting yeah. the decks up, doing yeah. that bits and bobs. A lot of it will be done by professional um, services, so don't worry that you're going to be building stages left, right and centre, it's little bits and bobs, they're going to give you the decks, but that's another way, an avenue of working balls, yeah. if you don't want to do it through the whole night as well, which is quite good to be aware of. And from a personal officer kind of side, it's I think it's really important to just put any relevant experience, even if it's not directly what you're doing, yeah. whether it's I um, volunteer teaching primary school children, I have to herd them around, and then that might make me a good ENTS worker who has to shepherd loads of acts going from here to there, because that's what I used to do all the time, yeah. but with children who arguably are probably more out of control. Yeah. And that kind of thing will be picked up on and then you can talk about it. And yeah. as you said, you might not be completely interviewed. We didn't interview, we only interviewed senior workers and a few other roles because otherwise I just wouldn't be yeah, able to do time. a degree. <laughs> <laughs> um, so do put everything you can in that application. Applications that at least you do read through them and some, I mean, typically they're not waffle though. Um, people who just write a lot of their experience will stand out just because they, you can see it on the yeah. form and you can see it straight away. Um, and actually just putting that little bit of effort in will really make you stand out. And I think that's a really good tip as well. For just if you're applying for balls, just put as much experience as you have and they'll probably see some of that as being useful and put you in. Yeah. But yeah, lovely. Do you have any wrapping up, anything you want to say about balls, any recommendations or anything this year that you're excited by? Not to give anything away, but I know the first few balls have started to come out with their themes. They are, um, and I've already had to tell balls that they've clashed. <laughs> it's the worst we job in the world. We had that last year. Um, we were lucky to be able to see party. Um, I don't have anything. Is that okay? That's absolutely fine. <laughs> so I guess I for people, it's just a it's a long time until Mabel season. Everyone will have to yeah. do their exams beforehand. Yeah. Um. So, thing. It's quite a long year, I think, because actually things come out. You get tickets and things are done a lot earlier. So mm. it's something actually 
that when this podcast will be going out that people will be getting their tickets yeah. um and again even when you're buying tickets just make sure you're aware of what you're buying what the recommendations are what night they are don't clash your mabel rules is an yeah, obvious that's one. A big one um make I sure you know what the kind of terms and conditions are around um refunds, refunds name changes yeah. they're big things so you do have you'll typically have a right to refund your ticket or to name change it especially some balls and i think pretty much nearly all balls i think a lot of people know what ticket bridges you'll get tickets going on there um and I think typically that's fine. We allow that as... It depends from ball to ball. From ball to ball. Yeah. So do check because if you put it up there, um, because sometimes if you just name change for your friend, that's fine. But if it, the name change isn't done, they won't be allowed in on the night. Yeah. Um, so it's just planning your week well. Um, I probably would recommend don't do... Back night, to back. Back to back. No. <laughs> um, even working back to back. But you can maybe do the odd set up and clear up round around yeah. that. But make sure you enjoy your week as well. There are lots of other things going on. I think regardless of whether you end up going to balls or not, or whether you just end up, um, like there's there's so many things. It's it's kind of like the last week of term. I think like that you can celebrate how you like. You don't have to feel pressured to go to these these balls. And we've talked about ways that you can um, go about making uh, like arrangements about with college about accommodation arrangements if you need to, and you've not going to the balls. But yeah, just enjoy the last week of term. Um, and find out what else is available that you might see around Cambridge that you might not normally get the opportunity to experience because you're studying. Um, so yeah, it might be hard to think. Yeah, it might be hard to think now that, especially for freshers, that Cambridge does get quite nice and sunny. Yeah, as it's quite cold at the moment. But um, <laughs> it's definitely something that. I mean, just even punting up and down the yeah, camp. It's the best time of year to be in It's Cambridge, the best really, time of year. I mean, yeah. there are tourists everywhere, so you're, when you go when you sort of lectures, <laughs> you find that annoying. But you'll typically find that actually Cambridge, when it's sunny and it's glamorous, is an incredible place to be in itself, mm. um, regardless of the balls. But yeah, thank you so much for coming along That's to talk good. today, Charlotte. And yeah, that will be pretty much it. Thank cool. you.